2: It's Monday the 22nd of January. I'm Miranda Sawyer and my hatches are well and truly buttoned down. Welcome back to Papercuts, the modern newspaper review, where every day we stagger from the local newsagents laden down with a UK press. Then we spread them all out on a table, get busy with our highlighters and scissors and create our own perfect newspaper and offer it up to you, as a podcast. Yes, here's the Daily Gardo star a Sun. Enjoy. We're out every weekday, Monday to Friday, so why not subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show Gone Measly. Measles is back in the UK because fewer kids are vaccinated. Meet Argentina's First Lady. Fatima Flores is the President's girlfriend and she's a huge vibe. And Women do better. The features section in every paper has decided yet again that women are failing. Welcome to Papercuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Papercuts, where we encourage reader participation, but we never read below-the-line comments. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and with me today is host of Pod Save the UK and Nightmare Mood boarder, Coco Khan. Hi, Coco. Hiya. <laughs> Great to be back, Miranda. It's lovely to see you again. <laughs> and also with us is Dead Ringers Impressionist and Scary Swatch Collector is Jan Ravens. Good morning, Hi, everybody. Jan. <laughs> so what have we got on the front pages today? Coco, what do you have? So
1: it's actually quite a diverse spread on mm. the broadsheet. So the guy... The Guardian's going with surge in modern slavery in social care sector since visa rules eased. Also on The Guardian, we had the news that Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the US presidential race. He's quit and is backing Trump.
2: He looks quite glum.
1: Do, would you read that as glum? What What would you say? Rye? I, I would read it as like pensive, thoughtful. You know, he's he's weighed the decision heavily. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> On the I, we've got water bosses behind toxic sewage will be put in dock under labour... Very over good. on the Daily Telegraph, they're going for their their favourite enemy, the BBC. So they've got BBC faces tougher scrutiny over bias. This is about Ofcom asked by the Culture Secretary, uh, Lucy Fraser, to police the BBC. So it's not <laughs> policed already <laughs> Yeah. by the Telegraph and the Mail. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then over on the Times, they're leading with the crisis for parents over free childcare. So Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt announced the plan to give more families free childcare, but they can't access any of it because of IT problems. Problems,
0: surprise, and budget problems. I think they should sort have of said, mm-hmm. "Okay,
1: councils, yeah. you deal with all this." You know. and, and staff. Uh, I'm not sure any of them know how children are yeah. managed. Yeah, no. I, I expect they think the nannies do it. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> True. Okay, Jan, what do you have? Well, I've got the mail, uh, which uh, has a worst heart care crisis in memory. Apparently, more people are dying of heart disease than ever. And uh, Fergie, I have skin cancer, so. Uh, Poor old Fergie. Um, The Sun as well. Fergie's new cancer battle. Duchess hit for second time in six months. Poor old Ferg. And uh, then on The Mirror... The headline, actually, is Harry, it's OK to ask for help because Harry Kane has got involved with uh, a mental health charity and is encouraging young men to uh, to ask for help with their mental health problems. And the star... Well, hey. Now, the star has got a very uh, in-depth report. On TV legend Brian Blessed, I wrestled a 48-stone gorilla. <laughs> it's the thriller with a gorilla. Brian Blessed says he grappled a 48-stone male gorilla at a zoo and the females had the hots for him. Well, okay, shall we quickly
2: talk about poor old Fergie? So she's been uh, diagnosed with a malignant melanoma. And she'd already had a a mastectomy because of breast cancer. And then she was having her moles removed and discovered one was malignant. I do... I mean, poor old Ferg. Oh, my goodness. She's so
0: resilient, isn't she? She's all sort of like, yo, crack on, you know. And all the reports say she's in high spirits. (laughs) And you'd sort of expect nothing less from her, really, would you? She's she's really kind of like one of those balls that just keeps bouncing back up, isn't she?
2: Yeah, she's proper posh. Do you know that thing where they just never take anything that seriously? They're a bit like, okay. Cancer? What? Oh, never mind. Yeah. Off we go. We'll stay, stay on the horses. Perfectly things will be good. Yeah, things <laughs> no will be worries. fine. Yeah. no worries. <laughs> And you have a feeling also with the storm, Storm Isha, which I I think is quite a nice name. We've had a lot of storms. Storm Isha. I think I I like to put it together. Storm Isha. I feel like
1: Isha is uh, an ethnic minority name, so it's good to see they're diversifying the storms. Exactly. The the first one
0: was Henk, wasn't it? Which was quite sort of Dutch (laughs) and uh, severe. Whereas Isha sounds a bit, Isha, Isha, I'm just gently blowing in, I'm Isha. (laughs) Even though she's not,
2: actually. No, she's definitely not. I mean, we have a feeling that tomorrow it will be all stories of the storm because overnight, there were people who ended up in different countries <laughs> <laughs> because they were on planes that got diverted. I mean, sometimes to quite nice places. So mm. going to Manchester, ended up in Lyon. You know, this could be
1: quite good. Stop by for some gastronomy. Exactly. You know why you're there. Well, yeah.
0: my son, uh, he went out last night. He got home and the wind, though the window was closed, the draft had blown the blind off his window. That's quite impressive. It could be a poltergeist though.
2: Now, most of the papers are carrying the story of how measles is spreading in the UK, depressingly, as fewer parents have got their children vaccinated with the MMR, that's measles, mumps and rubella jab. The Sunday Times reported yesterday that hundreds of thousands of children have not had both MMR jabs, cocoa, What has been going on?
1: So in a nutshell, Measles is back. No, hooray! (laughs) It's quite funny, just just an aside, but when I was buying my flat, my father-in-law kept going on about rising interest rates and he kept saying to me... As the millennial. He was like, you're not paying enough attention to the details of history in 80s and 90s. And I was like, well, Brian, I was a baby. So Mm. I've been unable to do that. So in a way, I'm quite grateful that history is repeating itself in this way. Interest rates high, measles back. (laughs) Yeah, It's all happening. (laughs) Since the 90s, we've not had uh, an outbreak of measles. And at one point, it was considered to be entirely eradicated from the UK. But sadly, it's back. And that is because more and more people are not having the vaccine. Um, I hate to use the phrase herd immunity again, I'm sure we've all gotten over that, but the magic number for herd immunity in the UK for measles is 95%. And those numbers have dropped significantly. So... In parts of London, it's only around 60%. Nationally, on the average, it's 84.5%. In Birmingham, which is at the centre of Britain's outbreak, they're looking at seven cases a day. Mm-hmm. So they're currently weighing up whether it should be uh, declared some sort of national incident. It
2: has been declared it has been. a national incident, yeah. They're going to have to... I mean, they are trying to do something about it.
1: It's really serious as well. I mean, there's lots of reasons why people aren't doing it. So the vaccines have been wrongly associated with autism in children. That's been completely debunked, but nonetheless, that rumour does persist. There's also a sense that measles are not that bad. Mm. So, of course, when you're weighing up as a parent, you might think, OK, autism, that's quite severe, but measles, we can get over it. It's interesting because there was a piece in The Scottish Eye where they interviewed someone who got it at 19, and it's a, hor- it's a horrible condition at any age, but I think particularly getting it as an adult is quite traumatic. And so this young lady... She was just really, really ill. At one point, she gets a rash all over her body. Her eyelids swell. Her throat, it it all sort of joins up. And she says that she looked like she was wearing a latex monster prosthetic. She had to wear an adult nappy. She had a 41-degree fever, lost loads of weight, couldn't go to university, couldn't dance. She's still got a chronic cough. Fifteen years later, it took five years for her immune system to go back to normal. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. I mean, the the belief that
2: the MMR jab is associated with autism goes back to 1998 to a doctor called Andrew Rakefield, who's now been kind of disgraced. And he published a paper linking the two in The Lancet. And he said that basically the MMR jab caused stomach problems and this was linked to autism. Okay, so later on, the Mm -hmm. findings were completely discredited. The paper retracted. He lost his medical licence. But the impact lasted. And at that time, some papers, we need to mention this, I have to Mm, say, the mail in particular really pushed his ideas. And we were looking at old copies of the mail. And in 2002, it had, like on the front page, new alert on MMR jab. With Linda Lee Potter, who was a a columnist at the time, writing a column about how, you know, MMR has done untold harm. Now we need the facts. Mm. And Melanie Phillips in 2005, which is quite late, still banging on about it. So they do have a lot of responsibility Mm. about this idea that the MMR jab can cause autism, which meant that a lot of parents just didn't get it for their
1: kids. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and Andrew Wakefield as a character is not some sort of past figure. I mean, he's around, he's Mm. online, he's still doing YouTube videos. I'm pretty sure you can see him on a range of podcast from people like Russell Brand. His pushing of fake science news has it's been very beneficial for him. He's earned a lot of money. He's something of a celebrity in the States. Yeah. So, and yeah, it's, it's all come home to roost, so to speak.
2: Yeah. I mean, it is ironic when you, if you read this, uh, you know, some of the uh, Melanie Phillips mail columns, she was absolutely nuts about this idea that um, MMR was associated with autism. There was um, a study which came out in 2005. I was looking at this mm-hmm. uh, Melanie Phillips column. The study said, look, there, there is no link. And she said, this is a load of old baloney. She though, <laughs> so, so she knows. So, she knows. But she has
0: knows. the courage of her own convictions very much, <laughs> oh doesn't she, God, Melanie she Billet? really does. She's like one of those women like Suella Braverman that is permanently furious. <laughs> yeah. She's just sort of so convinced of her own righteousness.
2: Yeah. I mean, absolutely terrifying. She's an interesting character in terms of being a columnist as well because she started off in The Observer, I remember her being there, yeah. and then just gradually... I mean, basically flipped to the right. She just went absolutely all in on the MMR autism thing. She really did. So even uh, even when she looks at these studies that say, OK, there is no support, it says the evidence it looked at did not support any association between MMR and autism. But that doesn't mean that it said the vaccine was safe. No. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's really, really unbelievable I mean, incredibly and incredibly ironic. It's kind if, of irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. You know. Exactly. It's so
0: irresponsible, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's really ironic when you look at the Mail's Saturday front page, which was UK gripped by measles yeah. crisis. Mm. Oh, I wonder why. Yeah. Anyway, that's my rant. Now... Yesterday, in the Sunday Times, we were frankly delighted to read an interview with the fabulous Fatima Flores. Please remember this name. It's new to us, but we love her. She is the girlfriend of Argentina's new president, Javier Millet, and he is described as a chainsaw-wielding populist.
0: Yes, maybe we don't love him quite so (laughs) much. We don't love him quite so much.
2: But Jan, you found this feature about Fatima and it cheered us all up, didn't it? She is our new
0: fave. You know, she, I feel that she's, you know, um, a sister under the skin, as she is indeed an impressionist. She is. <laughs> and, uh, yes, she has a, her show called Fatima 100%, and uh, she does uh, impressions, which I think are rather more of a sort of celebrity juice impression, style of people like Shakira, Liza Minnelli, Michael Jackson, and mm. indeed her boyfriend, the President, <laughs> who styles himself as a sort of Wolverine figure with long hair and big sideies. Yeah. He's not Hugh Jackson. I have to be honest. No, he but really is. Anyway, isn't. she loves him very, very much. They have a. She's super in love with him, head over heels. He's a rock star. I'm really hooked on him. We are very, very explosive when we are together. You know what I mean? There are no complaints, there are many satisfactions. She's fabulous. <laughs> and she's so in love with her boyfriend, the president, who is a self styled anarcho capitalist. He has pledged to allow human organ sales <laughs> wow. and wider public gun ownership. <laughs> He believes in free love and minimal government. Apparently, he's slashed government departments from 18 to 9. So God knows how they're running the country. I mean, prices are sort of sky high. Uh, Everything's in chaos. But uh, I suppose this is the kind of thing that is distracting the Argentinians from all the terrible things that are going on. But she says that she and Javier are both spiritual. (laughs) She has the Bible by her bed. He's reading the Torah because he's converting to Judaism. It's a really
2: great piece, I have to say. So it's it's about her, but also about him. Him. And there's this detail that he doesn't live. So normally, if you're the president, you live in this huge pink palace, which I would yeah. absolutely love to yeah. live in. But yeah. he's shunned it yeah. and moved to a place in his suburbs because he's got five Mastiff dogs.
0: Yes. Five <laughs> Mastiffs, who um, one of whom is called Conan Jr. Because yeah. it's named after Conan, his dog who died. They were cloned at a, at a cost of like thousands of thousands of pounds. $50,000. Like 50, from Conan, the original one. Who apparently he communes with, so he he uses his he tests out his ideas on the dogs, not only the live dogs, but Conan, the dead one. He communes with him and gets you know more of his ideas. And guess who's a fan of his? Donald Trump apparently called us <laughs> <out laughs> to congratulate him when uh, when he got the presidency. Yeah. Apparently, uh, he doesn't really know how governments work or how Argentina works. He is messianic, dogmatic. He wants reality to adjust itself to his ideas. Yeah. I mean, that dog- sounds very Trumpy.
1: Dogmatic, literally. I mean, he takes information <laughs> yes. from dogs.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, it, it is a bit worrying. It, it is, it, been because he's called the dogs the cloned dogs, and they had to get the new residents remodelled to cater for these dogs right there and the dogs are called murray milton Robert, and lucas and they're named after american economists (laughs) yeah right and anyway he calls the dogs the best strategists in the world and that's where he's getting his ideas from to run argentina i'm david Badil. i'm a writer and a comedian and a jew i'm saeed avarsi i'm a businesswoman and a politician and a muslim Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. of people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here at Papercuts, headlines make us happy. The snappy, the silly, the happy, the daft, the long, breathless ones from the mail, the pun ones from the sun, we love them all. And because we know you love them too, every week we bring you our Fix the Headline competition. On Friday, we found a story in The Star about how plumbers have topped a poll of professions with the sexiest outfits. Around 31% of plumbers reckon they look better in their overalls than in their normal clothes, Good story, but the headline, Plumbers Are Huge Turn On, was a bit dull. We knew you could do better, and you did. On X, Unpopcult offered taps off, (laughs) which only really works in Scotland, but we really like it. Parkinson's Land did well with thirst taps. Very good. And Matthew Griffiths gave us overall winners. Excellent. And Strangerous liaisons. (laughs) 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 On threads, Jen Stainer had a go with sex and plugs and toilet bowls. Very good. (laughs) Ashby Time tried piping hot and Dot Dust offered hot water heaters. But the winner is Nothing Happens with the excellent Hot Flush. Yay. Yay, of course. Well done, nothing. Just send us your address and T-shirt size and a Papercuts T-shirt will soon be yours and you will be able to out-sexy any plumber there is. What about today? Do we have any good headlines? Coco, what do you have?
1: I mean, the sun, they always deliver, don't they? So Mm. we've got one here about a pub that does absolutely giant Yorkshire puddings. And the headline is, The Bigger, The Batter. I do just want to point out that last time I was here, I had a batter-related headline. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel this is is clearly an area that is well covered by the sun. It's the word batter, isn't it? It's just that. Yeah, and, and elsewhere in the newspaper, they have sent a reporter to a cruise ship, which is absolutely huge. It's several stories high. There's everything you could possibly want and also everything that will keep you up at night, giving you nightmares. Um, and the headline is Bloody Hull. It's massive. Oh, very good. Wow. Oh, okay.
2: Bloody
0: Hull. Mm.
2: I wouldn't want to go on that. Okay, Jan, what do you yes. have?
0: Well, I have got um, I've got the Daily Star here, so mm. there's a whole plethora of them here. So the first one uh, is Noel Gallagher, who has revealed he's been having mad dreams. <laughs> 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 and um since quitting booze, which is, you know, the sort of wrong way around really. He's usually have mad dreams when you're on the booze. But he has revealed he's having some effing mad dreams and he's bumping into Jeremy Clarkson and Chuck Berry. And um <sighs> the headline they've gone for is Do you know what a dream? Oh, I see. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think you sold it well, though, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a little bit lame. Okay. so and the next one is there's going to be a pizza crisis, apparently, as the price of tomatoes has soared nearly 40% in two years. So ketchup, pizzas, pasta sauce, you know, all at risk, according to the staff. (laughs) Uh, And uh, the headline they've chosen is uh, it's here today and gone tomato. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Full full marks. Yeah.
2: It's time for the fun part of the papers, the features section to flip through mad fashion, impossible holidays, unusual trends and some weird thing a columnist did in the name of earning a living. And today, we are surprised to find is Make Women Feel Bad About Themselves Day. Woohoo! <laughs> Every day the same. <laughs> there are several features in the papers about how we women could be doing better with ourselves and our lives in general. Coco, you have the eye. How could we be doing better according
1: to the eye? So this feature in the eye is about guilty woman syndrome. And it does have a serious point, which is that as women are expected to take on the lion's share of caring responsibilities, that we kind of internalise it and we think we're responsible for everything. However, I would just say that the list of things that women feel guilty about, I feel it's my duty to tell people these are not reasons <laughs> to feel guilty. <laughs> Please free yourselves from this feeling. And they are. So I'll just read you the introductory paragraphs. Leaving dishes in the sink, watching reality TV, having meagre savings, living in a different country to my parents, not being able to breastfeed, buying a croissant for breakfast... Sending my friend a birthday card late, feeling excited to return to work after having my baby, not wanting to return to work after having a baby, asking for a pay rise, politely asking a neighbour to turn down their music at 3am on a Saturday night, not being assertive enough at work, having a messy house, not ringing up my elderly relative enough, not doing enough (laughs) chores at the weekend... These are a range of things the journalist has said Uh, that women feel guilty about. But I mean, all of them genuinely, I mean, don't feel guilty about any of it. It's fine. No, it's absolutely fine. It's (laughs) It's a choice. Don't bother. I mean, having a croissant, I think that's a human right. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: quite a weird thing, though. That is half the list. The list goes on and on and on. I mean, it's quite easy to feel guilty about anything you like, but it Mm. is almost not a choice, but it's kind of foisted on you, and you could not do that. And also there is a thing, I think, which is, I mean, weirdly common within newspapers. The idea is that as a woman, you could constantly be improving yourself. I mean, you know, you could do better. I'm sorry, ladies, you know, there you are existing. But sorry, you could do better. You could look better. You could earn more.
0: You could be kinder. You could be better with your kids. And you can't have it all. (laughs) But I thought we could. You can't have it all. (laughs) No. You can't have a career and bring up children properly. You know, think
2: on. I do think there's a, that sense, though, that it, that is never ending. That you know, a yes. you can improve yourself, and b you can write about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can monetize your guilt or your well, anxiety. Oh, you know, or...
1: well, no, definitely. when I mean, we were talking about that earlier, weren't we? The uh, the kind of guilt shame industrial complex for women journalists Yeah, Yeah. you know putting yourself into these pieces as this journalist does and I think in your one as well yeah
2: yeah, it's definitely a thing once you start writing about whatever you start writing about in my case it was music Mm. and then you get to a certain point and then newspapers get in touch with you and go so do you want to write about like (laughs) drinking do you want to write about (laughs) love life
0: do you want to write about something personal how does your marriage survive (laughs) after 20 years
1: (laughs) I mean the last point I would make about this piece which actually I do think is worth mentioning mentioning and I'm glad the piece does is that if you don't feel guilty you might be a sociopath
0: you have another piece don't you well I've got this rather sort of sad story actually of a woman who says I've got no friends this woman found herself in her mid-40s this columnist in, of course, the Daily Mail, found herself in her mid-40s and thought, I- I've got no friends. And the reason that she realised she had no friends was that she she says that she she loved, you know, deep, soulful conversations where you really got to the heart of things. But she realised that she'd uh, been getting that through being a journalist mm. and interviewing people. And so she'd, she'd have these kind of in-depth conversations with people and then they'd go. will not you have an in-depth conversation with somebody else? She then discovered that she wasn't very good at the sort of nuts and bolts of friendship. She said people would WhatsApp her. Uh, she 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 sort of got this friend Lisa, and 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 she thought I'll, I'll try and make Lisa my friend. Lisa was an executive coach, so she was in a good position. <laughs> oh, so to she help. was going to
1: pay her friend. So
0: she, well, <laughs> she no, no. Her friend said, you know, I'll, I'll I'll help you with this, you know. So her friend WhatsApped her. And uh, she said she began WhatsApping me just to say hello. I'd never really experienced this, so it took days, even weeks, to reply. <laughs> Which is a sort of bit of a basis of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> She's of not got WhatsApp, so, right, has she really? Yeah, but she's got one friend, I think, from when she was at primary school. So this woman, and she said, but I, I still didn't really know about the nuts and bolts of friendship, so I decided I had to make a huge gesture and take uh, Lisa away on a weekend. So she's wow. then planning what they're going to do. Are they going to have massages? Are they Are going to go vintage shopping in the local village? You know, what are they going to do? And she said, and in the end, we just had a real laugh. And we chatted and we Aww. had scones. And It was really nice. And she finally sort of, you know, discovered what real friendship was all about. And um, when they were driving back, this uh, Lisa said to her, you're a good friend. Um, It was one of the nicest things anyone had ever said to me, largely because I never thought I was capable of it.
1: Oh, that's quite a sweet piece in the end. It is. is. It's like a Disney movie, (laughs) but just very powerful women. (laughs) Oh, I can feel friendship. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But
0: it's interesting, that whole thing of like, you know, just not being in that rhythm of getting back to people's whatsapps because we're all different like that and we I mean you know some days you're busier than others and you don't get back in, in, in immediately to somebody's whatsapp and i kind of think i'm i'm a pretty good friend in that. i do check in on people and i will say hey you know do you fancy coming out and i know that some of my friends aren't good at that yeah and you just and need you to sort know. of make allowances don't you
1: yeah but i talk- mean i know that you Coco, have joined friendship apps yeah, i have <laughs> yeah. i have for have joined work. friendship for work of course yeah. i am part of this uh, shame and guilt industrial complex. You mm. know, I'm I'm ready to put myself <laughs> out there in an embarrassing way for cash. Yeah. So yeah, no. For a feature some years ago now, I put myself onto the friendship dating apps, it's yeah. Bumble BFF to be specific. And I would just say that it hits different when a woman ghosts you. Ah, yes. yes. That's you know, interesting. When a man does it you just think oh well yeah. maybe they found someone prettier or something like that <laughs> <Surely not. laughs> yeah. but when a woman does it you're, you have that realization oh no it's my personality uh, it's my that's my favorite asset about myself is unattractive to that another sounds really it's hard. horrible it is horrible and look in the end I, just a bit of luck really it felt like the people that were on the app were not necessarily like minded to me so mm. I didn't really proceed but I'm very curious about those who who actually go on these friendship dates I've
0: got a friend who went on uh, a fr- the, the Bumble best friends thing uh, because she moved to a new city. Yeah. And she said, actually, it was really good. And, you know, obviously there were people that she didn't get on with, but she's actually got a couple of friends from it. And you're moving to a new place, you don't know anybody. It could be a really good But how good do you thing.
2: break up with them? I mean, do like you go for a coffee, you say, shall we meet? And then like and then what happens yeah maybe yeah you just do that (laughs) (laughs) That whinny that you do at the end of dates that That is harsh anyway women whatever you're doing it's wrong yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Coco. Thank you, Miranda. (laughs) Thanks, thanks, thanks. Thanks to Jan. Thank you. (laughs) And if you've been feeling a bit down in the dumps during the longest month of the year, why not award yourself some me time and join the Paper Cuts Supporters Club? Just £3 a month gets you ad-free episodes and extended editions, plus the chance to get your hands on some swanky Cuts merchandise, such as a Paper Cuts t-shirt or even a mug, because, you know... You're worth it. I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the Queen of Pop, Madonna, has been sued by fans in New York over her late concert start time. She should really take her own advice. Don't just stand there. Let's get to it. I'm not going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Strike a pole. A OK, see you tomorrow.
1: This Feminist Monday Paper Cuts is written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with Coco Khan and Jan Ravens. Audio production and music are from Simon Williams. Production from Liam Tate with assistant production from me, Adam Wright. The design is by James Parrott and the socials are by Jess Harpin and Kieran Leslie. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. The group editor is Andrew Harrison and the executive producer is Martin Boitosh. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production.